Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Portsmouth Running Podcast. This is episode 47 uh, and it comes to you with yet another interesting and amazing running story from the Portsmouth area where we have Steve Purser who coaches alongside his wife Amanda at the Team Purser Running Group. But before we head into the main interview, I am delighted to be back with the only man that can make anything seem metal, even plastic, David <laughs> Harvey. How are you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm right. You're far too good to me, you know. That is, you deserve all the praise, mate. All the praise that you get, you deserve. Yeah, I can make anything metal, though, if I really, really want to. So that's always good. I've just been listening to a band called Alien Weaponry, really, uh, just now. (laughs) (laughs) I love the band. Dude, I think the band names that you listen to, I could could literally just be pleasured by reading a book full of the titles of the band (laughs) names that you you listen to. I think it would just be entertaining in itself. Yeah, I've got a list of them on my phone, actually, that will randomly come up in my head. Not that I ever kind of have any ambitions to be in a band again, but every yeah. now and then something will pop up in my head and I'll add it to the list. And I've got a really, really long list of band names that I think would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing, dude. Amazing. Yeah. So listen, it's great to have you back because you obviously missed um, missed out on the last show and and then we kind of missed you at the the track session that, I, that we did on our YouTube channel after Victorious. I think everyone was a bit suffering a bit after Victorious. Um, yeah. And we also missed you on the on the Blended Trails video. But uh, so I've missed you missed you generally, dude. But it's great to have you back. So, yes. so welcome back to to the show. And I know we've got some some really good kind of future episodes planned um, yeah. when we get time to catch up. But life's life's been pretty busy, hasn't it? How's um how's all the kind of NCT classes and how's Heather doing and 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 what's the update there? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we've got a um, month and a half to go now and it's coming around so quickly. So, wow. Yeah. So it, we're going to name it like Killian or Wormsley. It's going to be the future of both metal and ultra running. So <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Poor yeah. kid. Poor kid. <laughs> um, life, life has gone gone a bit kind of crazy. And do you know those moments where you think I've bitten off more than I can chew? yeah i know it must be, it must be it's pretty daunting isn't it i mean you've got a you've got a massive kind of life change happening there in front of you and i, and I know you, you you kind of don't even know what to expect really because obviously it's your first child and it's um <laughs> you know it's all it's all kind of ever daunting and, you, and you're, you're obviously preparing things obviously there's nursery stuff going on and yeah. cots arriving and all sorts of things yeah all this stuff that i don't know what it does i, I don't know what any of it does <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That, but you know what it's, i'm like take it my stride then you know exactly exactly dude and you know i've 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 been been introduced recently to um i've been i've been reading a lot into the kind of stoic philosophies because i think it it kind of like matches how how i'd love to, to to live more of my life like um and and one of the stoic quotes is uh amor fati which is basically love fate um I think also similarly to like, you know, whatever life throws at you do just, you know, take it, take it one step at a time and, and, and love it. Yeah. It's, it, you've got, you've got to do that. And I've always kind of, whenever I've worried about something, I've always asked myself, you know, what is worrying about stuff actually going to do because it's just going to make me feel worse, mm. rather than, you know, impact the situation. And I know that so many people that I know just really kind of, ruin themselves from worrying or getting stressed out about things and you think is this really worth it so yeah um there was a moment of of immense realization on the first nct class really recently 
where I was sat there, you know, and I've been, I've had six months of being totally chilled out, you know, that, hey, I'm going to be a dad. Minor meltdown when I first considered that I might might have um, a daughter and just mm. it sent me into a meltdown. But anyway, oh, I, dude. I think ignorance is bliss, really. But I was sat there on this NCT class and they started going on about mucus plugs and... <laughs> Elves and and blood and contractions and suddenly there was this like oh my, oh my god, god. Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah but you know just it's, 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 it's ever daunting but like you say you know these things we, we go through these processes in life and and it's 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 so daunting when you kind of get to capture that much information all at once in an nct class but yeah. you know these things are just going to happen piece by piece and you're going to be able to kind of t- tackle them each you know yeah each time they happen and, and and you've got loads of good support around you as well hey so it's going to be it's Absolutely. going to be good Lo- loads of us have, are, are, are a few years ahead of you in that yeah. department <laughs> uh, indeed indeed but before before any of that happens um it, it's long last time isn't it so mm. uh, going to run across wales and then that will be my retire retiring from running so i'll just be a couch potato after that north um, to south wales yeah, yeah might as well eh? <laughs> all in all, all in one with uh let's let, okay let's let's take a stab um feed stations every 50 miles yeah you get your drop bag every 50 miles you get some water every 25 um leave your sanity at the start pick it up at the end i think is probably oh, oh. <laughs> and this this is a mark mark cobain race as well yeah yeah so you know talking about um the pains of labor and childbirth um and mark cobain races there's you you've got to admit something haven't you something that you might have done recently and parted with some cash for the t word yeah okay so so you've got long less coming up which which i can't wait to kind of discuss in more detail as it as it comes up but uh yes bef- slightly a few weeks before you do that i've been keeping a, a certain race secret uh, and I am going to take part in my first ever Mark Coben race simply because you've pressured me over the years so much to <laughs> to give it a try, <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't keen enough to do the hill. Um, but I'm going to do the tunnel, which is a, a race that happens. Uh, it was happening next weekend when you know after the show releases, uh, so the 24th, and it is basically a 200 mile uh, race inside of a tunnel. I think it's going to be the longest indoor race in the world. I think he kind of claims it to be. <laughs> That is gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's um, I, I I would love to perhaps maybe go into some of the details why I'm doing it on the show, but perhaps maybe not the right time for that. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, there's, it's kind of like you know, times come in my life where I think I I need a little bit of um, should we should we call it self harm plus yeah. running? So, I I don't know. Maybe running is self harm entirely. I don't know, but uh. Yeah, so I'm going into the tunnel next weekend, and hopefully gonna gonna try and see if I can get through get through the full 200 mile laps while listening to some of Mark Cobain's best violin music. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you put on some pause? Oh, actually, you're not allowed any um, earphones or anything like that, are you? No, uh, appa- apparently not. But I might take some along just in case because I've heard that he kind of like laxes on the on the rules a little bit. Maybe like during during it, like he might allow music for a little bit of it. I I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm gonna yeah I'll stick to the rules then. <laughs> yeah so so anyway so we're gonna go and do that we're gonna see how it goes and I'll, I'll obviously report back on it when uh, when we do our next show and stuff and and let you let everyone know what it was like but uh, yeah take taking yeah. it to taking it to another level I think is is <laughs> fair to say. <laughs> I think um, 
self-harm just call it a little bit of escapism you know some people take drugs other people get drunk some people go on holiday you go run 200 miles inside a tunnel so it's totally not <laughs> that's true and and you know what to be fair like like you shouldn't look at it poorly because um we're basically just doing exactly what we love doing except yeah. it's inside of a tunnel i mean it's 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 no different really i mean some people go clubbing for two days um they're in a dark room with strobe lights it's you know it's um maybe it should just treat it like a big long clubbing session yeah well, <laughs> that was at the top of the battle the sweet of the victory so it would be that's it i have no doubt that you'll completely smash it and remember go for the win hopefully hopefully but listen also talking about races and stuff uh, and obviously races coming up you've got one that's now a week past you uh, you did the pilgrim the, the pilgrim marathon up near alton is it or just just yeah. north of alton yeah how was that i've got i've got the annual kind of like marathon double header that i've done um this will probably be my fourth year of doing um farnham pilgrim marathon on one weekend and then the Purbeck marathon the next ah right okay the double okay yeah and they're, they're really fantastic marathons i mean they're they're pretty low low profile ones um so to speak that um but they're they're pretty hilly um so the farnham pilgrim marathon one just goes around farnham and guildford um up to saint martha's church a bit of the north downs way and it sort of takes you in a in a nice big loop okay um for for 26 miles and it's a great race i'd thoroughly recommend giving it a go it's put on by the rotary club and they have aid stations every three or four miles um nice and loads of loads of marshals around it is it's really good and it's 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 challenging enough to um give you a you know a proper marathon test but it's hilly that it stops you running so it's quite nice just to kind of go out there and and take it quite because you um because you've got a you know because yeah well sorry sorry someone's just phoned me dan on my phone <laughs> that we're um, <laughs> while while recording. you're doing a recording that's fine yeah. do you want to do you want to tap them in as well are they, are they runners <laughs> no it's, it completely threw me and my, my train of thought just said but yeah it's, it's a decent marathon and then tomorrow is the perfect marathon which is a little bit hillier and it goes from swanage up towards lulworth cove and and then round the loop there and that's that's a lot more lot hillier um, but it's worth doing. They're, you know, really reasonable prices as well, between 30 and 40 quid. Yeah. So, Gosh, uh, man, good, good luck with that, dude. I, I know how you beasted yourself today. You've done you've done 30 miles today on the South Downs and, uh, you, yeah, oh, oh, no, not the South Downs, on the um, loop yeah. around Portsmouth, haven't you, and back. So, yeah, yeah, good luck with that because you're going to have tired legs tomorrow, that's for sure. Slow and steady wins the race tomorrow, I think. What are you going to treat yourself to as a, as a post-race meal, Dave, out of interest? Uh, oh, well, I'm actually going to do it with our um, international UTMB correspondent, Stuart Leesnan. Ah, uh, yes. For those who listened last uh, last time on the last show, we'll 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 know Stuart. Yes. Yeah. Have you have you had much um, much back from that? Because obviously now you're world famous that you can probably give up a job, <laughs> can't you? Yeah, that's it. I should just um, you know, t- take my take my private jet around the world and just show off what we do here on the Portsmouth Running Podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, what were we saying uh so yeah so, so you're gonna run it with stuart tomorrow yeah yes yeah so brilliant stuart, meeting stuart at the start because he's moved to dorset recently okay, and cool. given that there's a fair amount of um love for ice cream and the weather's pretty good at the moment he's reassured me that there's a really amazing ice plate ice cream place in swanage so oh, brilliant grab some ice cream and then come back <laughs> send us a photo send us a photo of you guys having an ice cream and we'll we'll pop it up onto one of our stories on on instagram so brilliant 
and hopefully it will be the best ice cream ever. Yeah. So how was your, how was your race today? Because you went and did the Fox, didn't you? The half marathon. That's here. right. Yep. Yep. Took a trip up this morning to just just past Guildford um, and yeah, ran the Fox half with, with, with my friend Joe and it was absolutely brilliant. It was like, yeah, top top organized event, really friendly. Got to chat with the organizers quite a lot because they were they were kind of like mingling in the crowds. And um, I, I tell you what, it was one of the best feed stations or aid stations, however you want to call it, that I've seen in a while at a race. There was just loads of stuff laid out. Um, and I think it's actually the fullest I've ever left a run. Like I don't think I've ever eaten as much on a, on a race because they had these amazing burgers and salty chips at the finish as well. Oh wow! Um, plus a, a huge gigantic chocolate cake, which they were just slicing up, and, and the again the organisers were kind of running around slicing this cake cake up, and just giving it to like to like people who had finished and and even their family and friends and stuff. And it was um yeah it was really good. I actually like kind of almost rolled home. I was so full. <laughs> <laughs> But it was good. No, no. It, it, it was actually great because um, I kind of like helped pace Joe and uh, she ran a, I think like a 30 minute PB, which oh, is wow. just amazing. Really? Yeah. So she did really well. And uh, yeah, d- didn't enjoy the hills too much. But yeah, we, we ran them pretty well, I would say, overall. So yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good, good, nice, nice, good event. You know, it's really nice up kind of near the Guildford area because you've got these really nice wooded um, yeah. areas with lovely trees and, and lots of sand underfoot, strangely. There's like loads of sand around. Yeah. So you, which that is, been in a similar area to the Farnham Pilgrim Marathon because that had a fair amount of sand. And ah, okay. Lots of woods, lots of ridiculously expensive houses. Oh yeah, loads. Yeah. <laughs> basically, um, basically, we're going to buy one when this when the show goes global. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's imminent, isn't it? We're going to have a big. We're going to have a massive house. We're going to turn it into some kind of like strange running cult, Dave, and then we're going to we're just going to get runners in there and uh, yeah. live the running life. But without killing anyone. Yeah, with yeah, without any of the bad stuff. <laughs> Listen, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch yeah. up with you, and uh, I, I know you're busy and um, want to get back to your rest before your marathon tomorrow. But good luck with it. I hope it goes well. Cheers, man. And look forward to catching up with you soon. And we're going to head off over to the interview with Steve Personnel. So, uh, Dave, look after yourself and look forward to having a coffee with you soon. Yeah, cheers, Dan. Keep it metal. Will do. All the best, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. I'm pleased on this week's show to welcome Steve Purser from the Team Purser Running Group. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? Oh, good morning, Daniel. Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Enjoying my day off work. Ah, Which what is- a pleasure. <laughs> a good day off work is always is always good medicine, isn't it? And listen, yeah. just to get out of the way first, are you okay with Steve for short? Yes, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. And stuff. Now, Steve, we um we first met uh, I think quite a while ago. I don't know whether you remember, but it was about I think it was about three or four years back. Uh, it was at Queen Elizabeth Country Park. Um, we'd just done the double uh, park run on New Year's Day, and a friend of mine, Catherine, was like, "Yeah, can you know come and join in this group? They're just going to do a few kind of hill reps around QE Country Park." So I'd just done the double park run, uh, and then joined in with with a hill rep session that you were giving some of the some of your athletes. And my goodness, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having being so tired that day. Do, do you remember that at all? It was about I think it was about three years ago. It was quite a muddy park run as well. Yeah, I remember it very well. Um, because I I I um foolishly took part in the park run as well. Um, not as fit as I used to be, and yeah, I forgot how hard five k can be. Um, so uh, it's been a while since I ran five k uh, at that sort of like intensity. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't do the hill session afterwards. <laughs> I'm yep. more sensible than that. So I just got to <laughs> to do it. 
and um, I think we did some hills and then did some um, some hilly circuit reps afterwards uh, with the guys. Um, okay, cool, cool. God, that was a that was that was a tough session, but anyway, yeah, and no, it was it was it was really good. It's all it's all good memories, and I I love kind of myself just doing spontaneous things like that. You know, you bump into somebody and they're like, oh yeah, cool, just come and join in. So yeah, it was good. But listen, thanks once again for. Uh, for agreeing to come onto the show and kind of speak about about your own running and, and coaching, obviously, which um which I'm really keen to get into. Um, and there's you know there's a lot of like really good coaching going around you know, the city here in all in all the different clubs and 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 kind of running group options that we've got. Um, so I was been really really keen to kind of get a get a coach on to really talk about kind of what goes on behind the scenes because it sounds like a very very kind of dedicated um, I guess almost hobby slash I mean it's almost like a job in itself I guess. Um, and you've got 50 or so years of coaching and running experience, which is absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, so, so, so brilliant. You can come and join us, Steve. Really appreciate it. So uh, this is the part of the show, Steve, where I get you to fully introduce yourself, because I'm sure people are wondering who you are, um, what you do. So I'll give you a couple of minutes just to kind of, you know, include any interesting facts about yourself, perhaps maybe what you do for work and, and just a brief summary about your running and, and coaching that you've done. So over to you. Yeah, um... Yeah, my name, as Daniel said, my name's Steve, Steve Presser. i um, been involved in athletics for nearly 50 years now, either as a, a competitive athlete in my younger days. Um, I competed for Portsmouth. And it was then the city, it was then the Portsmouth Athletic Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now to the city of Portsmouth Athletic Club. Um, I did quite well as a junior uh, and progressed through to the senior age group. Um, but unfortunately, when I was in the senior age group, I had a lot of uh, competitions against the likes of Steve Ovet, Sebastian Coe, and um, Steve Cram, and that type of era. Wow. Uh, sort of, uh, the sort of like late 70s, early 80s. So you can imagine that was quite quite an eye-opener and quite quite a good time, actually, for British athletics. And it improved everybody's um, performances um, in, uh, in their own individual performances. And it was always a great learning curve, finding with those guys. Wow. Um, I sort of like, yeah, I ran through to about the 90, at the end of the 1980s. Then unfortunately I had a bit of an accident when I was in the army, I broke my leg in various places. So that put me out of action for about six years. In those six years when I couldn't run, I was still, I got into swimming and cycling. So I, um, so I moved on to um, a new sport, which is called triathlons in the early nineties. Um, okay. I did do the London marathon um, within that time as well, which, tell the truth i didn't enjoy being a being a miler at heart and the marathon was quite quite a long way for me but okay i completed it and did okay um yeah and i got into some triathlons and uh then uh i met met my now wife amanda who's who's um who was running down at having athletic club um she was a very good athlete herself, an international cross-country runner, and she done very well. I think she ran a 36-minute 10K on the road. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, we both started training for triathlons and uh, doing half Ironmans. Um, and uh, then I moved on to mountain biking because I found that my swimming was pretty poor. So uh, I moved on to sort of like duathlons and mountain biking. Never really, really got back into my running. Um, I think it's more born of frustration where I couldn't perform or train as hard as I used to um, okay. and perform at the standard I, I was accustomed to or I thought I should be able to reach. The mind was there, but unfortunately the body wasn't there anymore. Um, 
Okay. And in the early 2000s, that's when I started my coaching career and got into coaching, started off as an assistant coach at Portsmouth again, uh, helped around local clubs like Denmead, uh, Portsmouth Joggers and places like that just to build my experience. Okay. Um, that went on into 2012 when I moved to Australia and then I got into coaching big time in Australia, became part of the National High Performance Programme. Um, got involved with some high quality international Australian athletes um, and uh, formed, while we were in Australia, we formed uh, the Team Person Running Group, which uh, we now work under the umbrella of here in the UK, with quite a large group in, in the UK of a, a collective group of athletes from all different clubs around the area in, in, in Hampshire, not necessarily just Portsmouth. Okay. Um, and I still coach about 20 athletes in Australia online and wow. talk to them each week on FaceTime. So it, as you can imagine, it's, a bit, it's quite busy and I'm now stepping up to help out at, um, at uh, have an athletic club because unfortunately one of my old friends um, recently passed away and he was their middle distance coach. So I've stepped up to help with their middle distance coaching at have an athletic club as well. So it's quite a big, um, quite a big commitment um overall but i enjoy it it's it's my life it's always been my life since so since i started athletics over 50 yeah, nearly 50 years ago so yeah so Gosh. I enjoy every minute of it yeah brilliant steve brilliant and, and and what is it you do for for work full-time oh yeah sorry yeah i'm a paramedic um i worked okay. in the, i when i left school i joined the army and i was a frontline combat medic with the army for up to 12 years um, used to do silly things like jump out of aeroplanes and stuff like that because I was attached to the airborne brigade um, so the P company the parachute um, course um, early in my career um, I, when I completed my army career I went into the ambulance service uh, did 30 years in the ambulance service retired and I came back from Australia about three years ago um, and I've been working at the uh, doctor's surgery in Petersfield for the last three years, uh, working for the acute care team, which is a community acute care team, which goes around and does all the doctor's visits, basically. And um, so that, okay. that's what I'm doing presently, yeah. Wow, okay. So, so you're not uh, darting around in, a, in an ambulance anymore, kind of like rushing off to places, or, or does that still happen? Every um, yeah, no. After 30 years, I think, doing nights, lights, and rushing around with blue lights, um, I kind of open that now. Um, no. I've, I've heard that's 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 really tough but uh wow yeah yeah you get to yeah I got to a point where I've decided I needed to step back a little bit and for my own health and my mental well-being I needed to step back a little bit and um because I started to feel like I was burning out with the because uh, I worked on a helicopter for six years as well while I was in the ambulance service so that was quite quite intense so yeah I decided I needed to um step back and start enjoying my work and not I mean, not less stressful if you're yeah. so enjoying the work because um, I always enjoy it, and that's why I've been doing it so long. Amazing, amazing. Well, I mean, Steve, there was a lot. There was a lot in that intro you've given us, and uh, one thing that kind of stood out that I wanted to ask you about about what you just talked about with regards to your your injury and your your broken leg situation that kind of took you out the running and you moved on to other sports. Um, would would you say that you were still able to run back then, or you just you didn't want to run as not competitively as you used to? Um, when I came back, it took six years for me to get back into any sort of running after my injury. Um, and I uh, 
as, as I said earlier, I couldn't really put the workload in to justify trying to run fast times. I think the fastest I did for 10K um, when I up post injury was, I think it was only about 33, 34 minutes. And previously to that, I was running 29 for 10K. So, oh, um, okay. and yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, entertain going back on the track um, because I knew, because I was picking up calf injuries because my whole biomechanics through my leg, because I lost part of my calf muscle on my right leg, my whole biomechanics of my running technique and my, um, my I just lost, lost it all. And so yeah. I was more pressure and overcompensating. So I kept on getting hamstring injuries, calf injuries every time I tried to increase the intensity of my training. So, yeah, I, it was quite frustrating. And uh, yeah, I decided to uh, sort of like, that's when I decided to go into the coaching side because I wasn't getting the, the joy out of that side of it anymore that I was getting before. And I guess going going out for a kind of like a fun 10k race back then, maybe not so many options to do that, or or just um, you know, you, you just had that competitive spirit that you, that you couldn't kind of get out of you. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm one of these annoying people that are, are quite competitive. I'm quite individual. As an athlete, when I was on the top of my game, I was I trained on my own and I was very driven. Yeah. Um, I had coaches, but I, I used to train on my own all the time. Um I knew what I wanted to do, what I needed to do to achieve it. And okay. I put the workload in. I didn't rely on other people, groups like there is now so much, but I was I was a very individual person, very sort of like and, and very driven. But um and I think that side of me sort of like got the better of me when I tried to come back to running because I knew I could yeah, that was the frustration side of me that came back. Yeah, for sure. And I can understand that. But uh, wow, what a what an incredible story kind of like summarized this. That, that's amazing. Now, listen, you did mention the Australia tie as well. And I know people would have kind of noticed a little bit of a twang in the accent as well. Um, but I have to ask you, Steve, um, having spent a few years out there, uh, which sport team would you support in an Australia-England final? Um, it's England all the time. I used to have great joy when England were playing. Brilliant. Um, especially when we beat them in the cricket and when the rugby and... Yeah, it's always been England. I've always been the uh, the proud pawn sort of thing. So I still get a lot of stick from the Aussie guys. I'm sure. <laughs> things. A, lot of banter. a lot of banter goes on. Amazing. Well, I spent so long in South Africa that, um, you know, I, I kind of, I think where I spent time in school in South Africa, I still support the South African uh, team. So, uh, so I get a little stick over here for that. Um, but it's great when South Africa win because you can um, <laughs> obviously flaunt it about a little bit. <laughs> Um, now, listen. Uh, coincidentally, as well, we both have um, ties to to Western Australia, Perth, which is which is where you spent your time. Um, uh, my father and his wife live there at the moment, and and I know uh, that area of the world quite well because I've I've travelled there a couple of times. Um, it's just so beautiful, you know, blue skies, amazing beaches, and the coastline is just incredible. Um, I'm sure you you must miss it a lot. But uh, when I went over there, there's probably um, some people, and I think we know in common as well because. When I arrived in Perth on holiday, I went to the to run the Bibra Lake Park Run, which you might be familiar with. Yeah, very much. That's our old training ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I headed over there one day, and I just I just so happened to get chatting to a couple of people, and one of them was was the organizer of that particular park run at the time, Chris Hoypoy. Yeah. And Chris mentioned to me, he's like, "Oh, you know, you're over here on holiday. You know, welcome to the place. I, I organized this park run, and we, you know, we got we got chatting about junior park run that was wanting to start up at the time in Australia, and." And then he said to me, oh, we've got a race on um, in, a, in you know, next week. Maybe you can get like a last minute entry. Um, so he ended up getting me into the, the Bibra Lake half marathon, I think, like a few years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 
so I, I ran that and uh, you know the one thing that stood out for me was was how little stuff you get at the aid stations in australia compared to compared to over here <laughs> i think it was literally just water at the aid station i was, I was expecting jelly babies and chocolates and all sorts <laughs> of it. Nice. We, we weren't treated to such things, but no, it, it was great. I mean, you, you, you must miss it over there a bit, um, especially all the, all the nice warm running. Yeah, I, I, I miss I'm, uh, the way of life. Um, mm. People over there are so friendly and so accommodating. It's, um, it's, it's so nice. Um, we were accepted um, straight away. Um, unfortunately, with athletics, as you mentioned, there was, it's, one, it's not high on the list of Australian sport. Um, okay. So always struggling to get recognition, um, and especially in WA, which is quite an isolated um, state compared yeah. to uh, when you go over the east coast. Imagine when you fly to um, Sydney from 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 Perth, um, it's uh, a five-hour flight, and you go through two time zones, so it's they're worlds apart. Um, and all the athletics and big sporting events and big teams are all based around the east coast mainly um, and so WA gets kind of left out a little bit so what they achieve in WA with the resources and the support is is phenomenal um, so and it was great to be part of that and the community as you found out is quite small so everybody knows everybody which is um it's it's, it's really good and really friendly and you turn up the race and you always know someone and it's always a good atmosphere That's and cool. And the weather, as you say, it's just perfect for training. Um, sometimes it gets a little bit hot. I remember some of the sessions we had to do with a group in Australia. We were training at five, half five in the morning because by the time we got to about eight o'clock, half eight in the morning, it was usually about 40 degrees by then. So we used to be start our training at five in the morning so we can get the, get it in in the decent weather. And the yeah. cool weather, yeah, it's it, it, you've got to adapt. You do adapt quite, quite quickly out there um, if you're out there for permanently it's uh, for a period of time it, you do adapt to it all and, and it's um yeah, it's brilliant it's a brilliant. great way yeah so steve just one last question question quickly to to kind of get to know you a little bit uh are there any other completely different hobbies that you have on top of the athletics uh, i love music live music um i'm always trying to go to concerts uh it's been one of my passions okay uh, yeah i've always been bands. Bands. So, um oh, well in my younger days, I was a bit of a punk rocker. Um, okay. Um, but I, I'm into groups, all sorts now. I mean, I think in the early, late 80s, early 90s, I got into rave music and stuff like that and enjoyed that side of things. Um, so I've got, got quite a, um, uh, a widespread of music, but I'm into groups like New Order, Dual Division. I went and saw Peter Hook and the Light at, um, down at the um, Victorious recently. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I just love bands like that and uh, any type of music really as long as it sounds good i enjoy it and um, i'm not really sort of like hung up on trying to follow trends anymore I'm too old for that um, <laughs> i just enjoy the music i just enjoyed live music uh, and brilliant uh, excellent excellent stuff so listen steve i guess to, to start with with um with your story that you kind of so so kindly ran over very briefly earlier um, I'm keen to kind of find out a little bit more about kind of how the athletics started for you and and um, particularly running was was that something that that was in the family already did, uh, who how did you end, kind of end up running and 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 how did the the training all kind of start out for you um as far as family sort of like trains um my dad was a boxer um 
he uh, he boxed for the Navy and he was also a boxer um, in his um, hometown of Reading. He boxed, I think he was some area champion flyweight when he was a, a young young boy. Um, and my mum, she was a swimmer for a time, um, but there was never any sort of any any runners in our family at all, um, sort of thing. And uh, for me, yeah, for me, running really came. I was I was mainly a football player as, as a young kid. I, I I was I played for Pompey Youth and stuff like that. So it, I think it was basically because I was quite quick as a runner. I don't think my okay. football skills were that brilliant, but I was quite quick with the ball when I used to play on the wing. So I remember what got me into it. I think I, I was already winning my school cross country. So I used to run a cross country race every year, four different years, and I and I won nearly every race as I went through the years of school. Never really got involved in any local school sports or anything like that at all because I was playing football all the time. Um, I remember I was playing football one day down at, it was then the Alexandra Park, which is now about Batson Centre on the fields okay. at the back. And there was a groundsman out there marking out the football pitches for the weekend. And I was playing for my school team. And as I was, after the game, I walked around. This would never happen in this day and age. Uh, he come up to me, a strange fella come up to me and said, um, you're quite quick, lad. He said, do you ever fancy doing a bit of running? And I went, well, I never thought about it. And he said, well, have you come down to the stadium at four o'clock this evening? I've got a running group. Come and meet me in there. And we're, you can run with a group and see how you get on. Mm-hmm. So I went home, had my, had my tea, didn't tell my parents, and then went straight back down to, to the Alexandria Park and um, met, met the, the, the fellow there. It was Stan Baker, who was my first coach. And... Uh, he had a big group and they were all girls, some very, very good girls, uh, very good athletes. I think a few of them were international runners and stuff like that. And um, basically he said, right, I'll be gentle with you. I'll set you off 20 metres or 30 metres in front of the group. He said, run as hard as you can, but the girls will probably catch you. Okay. On the first rep, just to see how I went. And um, I finished about 80 metres, 100 metres in front of them all. So, <laughs> wow. kind of, so, uh, so. Yeah, so that that's how it all started for me, fun enough, and uh, yeah, meeting a strange old fellow who come and approach me in the in, in the field. <laughs> Steve, the, the, this, what you've just told me there is like you know it just kind of solidifies in my head just how important it is to have conversations like that. You yeah. know, not to be scared to approach people, speak to people, because you just never know what you're yeah. going to find and how you're going to kind of affect somebody's life. And that to me is like one of those just incredible kind of forks in life that you take that just from yeah. one encounter. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And Stan became my coach uh, until he passed away. Um, I, um, funny enough, Stan was, was a very good athlete himself. He won the, the European masters, 5,000 meter champion championships for over 65s yeah. on the track. But yeah, I trained with Stan until until the late 70s when I moved on to my next coach was Stan actually moved me on because then most of his group um because they were all teenagers and young, and young people sort of like moved on to jobs and lives had changed and I think I was about the only one left in the group okay. and so Stan moved me on because after that Stan then moved to the joggers club and helped coach all the joggers in in those days as, yeah. they were, as they were forming the joggers in about 1977, 76, I think that was. Um, and so I was with Stan for about three or four years, but I remained a lifelong friend of his until he, he passed away in late late 80s. I think 89, 90 he died. Okay. I think. 
Wow, absolutely amazing. I, yeah, th thanks for sharing that. I, I, I absolutely love that. Like you say, the, the encounters like that are just, just yeah. amazing. But Steve, I was going to ask you, like, so that I mentioned earlier was kind of like 1973 when you started. What what was the athletics club like back then? And also, I'm keen to kind of find out if, you know, generally around the Portsmouth area, like you see now with plenty of runners about people running on the seafront all the time, I guess it just wasn't like that back then? No, no, no. You, you, you were a bit of an oddball if you were running down the road in those days. Um, um, and people thought you were a bit strange because um, running wasn't really in the, in the early 70s wasn't really as high profile as it is now so yeah um, so people sort of looked at you strangely when you went down the road and stuff like that and uh, and and the club itself was it was quite vibrant to tell the truth um had a lot the Portsmouth the old Portsmouth Athletic Club has got a, a long history and they were national and European cross-country champions in the 60s. There's some famous, like Bruce Tullow and uh, Martin Hyman and um, and these sort of guys coming through. Bruce Tullow was European 5,000-metre champion on the track and he used to run on the cinder track in bare feet. So you used to have all these people still involved with the club when I joined. Um, they were still competing in the seniors, although they were coming into the Masters um, sort of age group. So there was a lot of sort of like experience there and a lot of and it was really good because they welcomed you really well and they took you under their wing and um, pointed you in the right direction and it was um it was just uh for me it was a bit bewildering I didn't have a clue what I was doing I was just yeah. told to do something and I ran um and um but it was great and I was taken to all, all the events I needed to go to there was never any problem with getting to cross country or track events or road relays in those days we never used to do road races it was all road relays um so i was always taken by the club um to these cool. events and stuff like that so yeah it was, it was for me to start off in athletics it was a great environment because it, it it created that enjoyment and that security if you see what i mean and the social side um, which is most really is the, one of the most important things about doing doing athletics i think in in, in clubs and that and yeah being part of it. yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I guess, yeah, like you say, the enjoyment has, has got to be there as well, for sure. But um, how much of how much of that coaching um, and the kind of experiences that you got as a youngster from from your incredible coaches have you taken with you and you now kind of like apply to your own athletes? Do you um, I guess what, what I mean is like, are there any things that you remember back then that you've kind of taken with you, kept hold of and practices that you still use now with your own coaching? Yeah, definitely. Um as I always say to other coaches and all speak to uh, athletes and stuff like that, like with the haven't people I've just taken on, the sessions we're doing won't be very, very dissimilar to what they used to do because you can't invent the world really. Running is running and there's only a certain amount of sessions you can do. It's just how you adapt them to the athlete and how you how you sort of like run your sessions and and, and sort of like the, the uh, emphasis on the sessions sometimes change. But for me, I kind of took some of the stuff. We used to go out and do a club run every Thursday, which is like a traditional thing in the old days where you should go out. And we always start really, really steady. Okay. Go to a certain point, turn around, and then all run back as hard as you can. And nobody knew what it was called. Nobody knew what it, why they did it. Nobody knew what, what good it did you. Yeah. So they call it progressive running. Um, and so... It's things like that I, I take through fartlek is another thing I talk through intervals and reps a lot of 400s and stuff like maybe not in the volume they used to do in the 70s but 
it's a bit more uh, specific these days about how much you do and for events and stuff like that different type of events but yeah um, hill running a lot of cross-country running especially and and the thing that's it's always stuck with me is the periodization of training and okay. you used to do different things at different times of the year and your build up to the track season it wasn't the same thing all the way through the whole year there was a distinct change in emphasis and training as as the as the seasons went on as you approach in track season and stuff like that so that's the sort of thing that's really stayed with me and how i plan my sessions and my programs okay cool i find it quite fascinating actually when you when you talk about you know running plans like that and, and strategies and how you know you used to train yourself back then how those kind of training sessions stuff all evolved into what they are because um uh, i guess back then there probably wasn't like much research going on into like you know the, the detailed specifics inside of muscles and bones and and the biomechanics mm-hmm. in the body and stuff but it was all kind of just all these things were built up by trial and error by basically you know if you want to run fast well you've got to do kind of fast interval sessions and mm-hmm. i guess it kind of it's, it's evolved over the years i know i've started reading um the story of ml zatapik uh, mm-hmm. and how he kind of you know developed all these systems of running loads and loads and loads of 400 meter intervals and reps it's mm-hmm. just funny like nowadays uh, there's there is research going into it and they are able to kind of measure you know muscle breakdown and muscle rebuild and there's so many papers out there now that you can kind of go through and research and there's actual evidence to suggest that these methods do work and and maybe some of them don't um it's very fascinating yeah i do a lot of reading i've got a big library up in my like uh, office room upstairs and multiple books from different coaches a lot from america um from europe and and all the british guys all the top guys because in my young, uh, for a while, I used to travel up to London uh, every now and again, or maybe once a month, to train with a chap called Frank Orwell um, at the Crystal Palace National Stadium, and when I was part of the junior national squad, and um, used to meet Frank up there. And some of his sessions, he, he was the chap who invented or come up with the five pace system, five um, stuff like that. So, okay, I've trained underneath that and learned a lot from that one as well. But yeah, it's more a bit more scientific these days. Um, you don't need to be an expert in all the fields, but you've got to have a good core knowledge of what what's required and the physiological and psychological effects of training on people, different people and stuff like that. That's where it helps with me being a paramedic because um, biology and stuff like that is a big part of my training. So it makes me understand the effects of stress and strains on, on the body and uh, the different muscle groups and tendons and all that sort of stuff yeah of course yeah it should go like yeah probably goes quite um kind of connects together, together quite well the uh, the career you've got there and the and the coaching mm-hmm. as well definitely um i guess running back then as well with regards to technology and and devices that we now wear on our wrists like coros watches and garmin watches and stuff very very different back then i guess it was all kind of timed with but you know maybe more basic of a watch or like a like a casio or something or how, how was it how did you all kind of keep track of you know what mileage what sessions you've done was it all written down in books um i kept i've kept a diary all my training diaries from 1973 right up to i stopped when i stopped really okay in, um, uh, in the nine, about 19 1989 1990 so i've got about 15 16 years of uh, training diaries of everything i did um so that's how I kept my records. Um, my coach never, my coach never kept my records. Like with Stan, um, I never possessed a watch. Never ever possessed a watch. I never ran by a watch. 
Um, a, I'm going to show my age now. I used to sort of like when I used to go for a run, I used to look at the clock on the kitchen wall, see okay. what the time was. Used to go out for a run, come back and see what it said when I came back. So I knew I'd be running 50 minutes. And that's how I used to do my timing sometimes. Um, okay. For timing of reps uh, in training, that was down to the coach. Um, the coach held the watch or the uh, stopwatch and okay. shouted at times. So I still do that now. I still use that system although i set the guys a pace and i write everything out on whiteboards for sessions because i've got quite a few people doing different sessions within a session if you saw yeah. me so in different paces and a different amount of reps so i write it all out on whiteboard so they can keep checking it but i i know what they got to do um and a funny story with my coach stan um we were doing some 400 meter reps and the thing and he set, he set a pace. And the thing was, I found out that I knew what my pace was because I was running those paces all the time. So I got to feel the pace of the session. So if he set me a session of 8 to 10 400s at 60 seconds, I used to do 8 to 10 400s at 60 seconds or 61 seconds. And I could do it like clockwork. And I knew what the pace because I knew what it felt like. And it, it was just that type of repetition all the time with Stan. And yeah. I said a funny story with Stan one day is, um, he was timing me. He was at 300s or something, and he tripped up and dropped his watch in the sandpit, and the watch fell apart into loads of different pieces. He picked it all up, picked it all out of sand, blew it off, tried to put it back again, wrapped it up in sellotape, clipped. He said, yeah, that works, and it still worked, and that's how scientific it was in those days. Um, we don't have the time to write or what, wrong, but... It just was, it, yeah. It, yeah, it just was. It didn't really matter. It's how you felt and how the session went. We weren't so hung up on times um, in those days. You just ran and you completed the session. And yeah, yeah, that's Amazing. what it was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I love the story of looking at the kitchen clock. I mean, you just that, that was just your method of timing and, and that's how it went. So yeah, it worked, which is good. Steve, what, what benefits do you think like early running opportunities um, and the coaching that kind of that you give and you got yourself gives kids these days looking to to get into athletics and i mean like from your own experiences as a, as a young runner and the work you've done with your athletes like what other advantages and skills do you think it brings to youngsters um and, and an example maybe is you know for myself being involved in junior park run um the children don't only get to run but they get to do timing themselves they get to scan barcodes they get to speak to speak to adults and speak to their peers mm-hmm. um really good social skills and, and kind of things like that yeah, for me, um, running in the junior age groups up to the age of under 20, up to 20, it's all about experience. It's all about learning your craft. It's yeah. learning about experiencing different situations, different environments, and not specialising in anything at all, um, and covering the full range of training disciplines. Um, so you're building a, like an holistic uh, base for the athletes. From the age when they start, if they start at 15, if they start at 13, some start at 12, if they start at 18, up to, until they get to senior, nothing really matters. Times for me, this is my own personal mm. times, achievements. They don't have to be champion athletes, they just have to progress. And it's all about getting them to the senior age groups when you start to sort of like take things a little bit serious and you, and you get a bit more specific about what events you're going to do. So in the early years, it's it's in, it's a social, big social thing because 
and now with Facebook and Messenger and WhatsApp and all that type of thing, all the kids talk to each other and they look on Strava and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about, um, yeah, it's about that experience and learning about themselves, learning about, because uh, mm-hmm. you can't really push t- kids too hard too early. It's a lot yeah. of kids, the lactate side of their development has, hasn't developed, you see what I mean? And they can't sort of like produce the lactate sometimes until they, yeah. until they reach puberty, so um, post-puberty. So um, you can't really sort of like train that, that side of your training too much. You can, you, it's better to build a base, not too much mileage. When I say base, it's more tempo running or threshold okay. running, learn how to long reps. And a lot of it is drills, technique, uh core core strength strength and conditioning and all that side of things they build build the base up before they start putting on the specific work when they get older to try and achieve fast times because i know a lot of a lot of youngsters who are, who are absolutely superb when they're kid, youngsters but they don't make the seniors and i know a lot of athletes that are useless as, as juniors don't achieve anything they go through the sport and suddenly all of a sudden they blossom when they become seniors because they've got that base and they've got that knowledge with a lot of my younger athletes i get them to do a championship event where they've got to go through a process where they've got to be walk got to go to a certain area to warm up they've yep. got to collect a number at a certain time they've got to go in the call-up room stuff like that it's That's good experience yeah a good experience before they go to big championship events doesn't matter how they get on in the race as long as they compete well and uh, for me it's all about competing and doing your best in the race mm-hmm. time wise i'm not really i don't get hung up on what times they do it's about how they compete and how they apply themselves in the race and right. learning about different tactics in races and that's what's important for me really and, and what's i think that's it's important for, for younger athletes in their development up to the senior age groups and keeping them in the sport until they reach senior really Brilliant. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's things to take away there from the entire process, not just that time that you look for at the end. No. That's, that's no. great. Do you, do you see a lot of your young athletes as well kind of growing confidence over the years as well? Do you, do you find the whole process of being in a club and, and all the social elements and training builds builds their confidence up? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because um, um, in my group, I've got um, my youngest, I think, is 15. In Port. This is the group in Portsmouth. Um, Youngest is 15 and the oldest is 72. And um, okay. the, um, so the, the older ones, especially the older one, I think you might have heard of her, Penny Force, ex-Olympic, ex-Olympic athlete, been, right. to, uh, been to, the, to the Montreal Olympics and went to the Edmonton Commonwealth Games. And she's still running, still very keen, still trains every day. And she's a great mentor and i've got older have older athletes in the club who are brilliant mentors for the younger guys and they look up to these older guys as well and talk to them and they all get on and they and they treat them with respect and stuff like that and and it builds confidence in the, in, in in the younger people because um because they're improving all the time and um when they have their down times when they sort of like may be ill or they got injured or something and some of them have had covid recently um yeah. The support mechanisms there for them they can contact someone contact me um, and someone there they can talk to and so they're, they're, they've always got someone they can turn to or get advice off and it's not just necessarily for me all the time that's the beauty of having older athletes in a group so, yeah yeah they're yeah. all there for each other yeah, it's like a it's like a mesh of support isn't it it's great mm-hmm. um, but wow the, the, the more i hear about it the more i kind of realize just you know how involved um i guess it must it must be for you how how, how all involving it must be for you 
especially on everything else, at top of everything else you've got you know, with the job and everything like that. So it's um, it just kind of shows real real passion for the sport, Steve. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to move on and kind of ask you a little bit about your coaching. And and what I was going to do was ask how you kind of got going into coaching first, but I, I switched it around a little bit. I was going to talk to you about your um, your group, which you mentioned already, which is the Team Purse of Running Group. Um, mm-hmm. That's the name of it. And I think you and your wife, you said it, your wife Amanda managed that group. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, me and Amanda... As I said earlier, we, we started it in Australia. Um, okay. It wasn't initial uh, that when we started coaching. We started with the local um, little A's, little athletics um, group in Australia. Um, real Australian sound and name. Uh, Yangi Buck, young athletes. Um, yeah, little athletics. And um, it, um, it, blew, it grew from there, really. And because uh, it got quite big and uh, we decided sort of like we had a little chat and we decided oh, we'll, we'll put it under an umbrella and that's where team plus came from um not a very imaginative imaginative name so it, it works and <laughs> um, and it's gone from there really um we still we've got a facebook page uh closed facebook page we've got about 110 members we've got various um group messengers which we do all our send all our training details out on so um and the facebook page is um it's it's good because the guys in the uk can talk to the guys in australia and they can see mm-hmm. what they're doing and it, and it and it creates a good connection between the two groups um so everybody in the uk especially the youngsters know about the guys in australia and what they're doing and vice versa so it's um it's it, it creates a good little family really and it kind of runs itself um we just keep yeah. a check on but it, it runs itself and anybody can contribute to the facebook page who are in the group and so uh that's yeah. a good dynamic it's a really good dynamic you've got there where you know people might not necessarily have met but they all kind of know that they're they're doing the same thing and being kind of coached by the same people so it's uh yeah, I think I think that's quite like a nice dynamic to bounce off of each other. And I've seen the group myself. You know, you kindly added me in so I could have a look at what goes on there. And I have been keeping tabs with the the posts you put in there. And it's nice to see the group. You know, like you say, being very active. And I know that you're always posting updates on on runs and and various results that have happened around. And it's nice to see kind of people commenting and and getting involved there. So yeah, it's, it looks like a really kind of like like you say, like a nice little close knit family on fa- on Facebook. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good it's a good notice board really for the group because we put a lot of stuff like um especially about psychology and mental health and confidence as you were saying earlier on and uh, and uh, all that sort of type side things not just purely about running all the time it's it's sort of like looks yeah. after the other sides of running it which don't normally get covered and stuff like that so um so and 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 with the group in Australia I've I've sort of attained about six to eight new athletes that i've never met i've never spoken to and they've come on board and purely because they want to be involved and i've got to know them through facetime and through through the facebook and stuff like that and i'm writing them programs and stuff like that so it's um yeah it's going well going well awesome great um how do you manage to work with runners like locally and and internationally depending on which side of the water water you're on and stuff and like how do you keep track of like all the training and kind of like following each session and stuff because it might be like quite a lot of work um yeah i use um a training app called v dot i don't know if you've never heard of it it's run by um jack daniels in um in america it's, oh yeah i know i know him yeah 
yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, it's uh, training up that he's, he's put out and which I um, subscribe to. And so all my athletes are on there. So basically, I can write all their programs out each week um, on their uh, on their calendar on the VDOT. And um, it, it goes when I click it and send it to them it goes straight to their phones uh, to their watches or their phones so they know what they've got to do for that week and it and what, the beauty with um VDOT is that it works out your training paces according to recent races it's not done in pvs it's done on recent races recent performances so okay. it, so if i set a session at say 5k pace it will work out threshold interval pacing um anaerobic threshold and tempo pace for 5k for their recent 5k and um, so everybody gets their own times so everybody gets a, and they don't necessarily get a blanket time across uh, as a threshold it works out on an individual basis so and but all their times because people put their races in as well so it records all the races and it gives them a v dot score which is vo2 max it's it's some mathematical Math- mathematical i can't even talk so that word uh, <laughs> yeah i know um uh equation that it works out and um, which jack daniels has done in one of his books and um, it's all tables are there anyway it's all worked out and, and it sets the training to, according to that score so so you could have a different score from your 1500 to your 5k 3k 10k whatever whatever yeah. ratio it doesn't say a score or across board it's that's on individual individual events and so everybody gets the appropriate training appropriate reps for their training that they're trying to do that's good that's a really good use of um of the technology that's that's fantastic yeah and the thing is they um once they've they've done the session on their garments uh they sync it across to me and i get all the information like um the rep times the recovery times heart rates um and the elevations they run on and they also get a map of where they run as well so i get all the data all the information and i sit there um most nights analyzing all the data and which drives a man around the bend sometimes great steve you've got children of your own is that right and are they they both run too and and are they coached by you as well um yeah i've got two boys um Ollie's 19 um, and Eddie's 15. Eddie's typical 15 year old, not interested in running at the moment. And <laughs> likes he likes his um, he likes his gaming. So yep. that's his um, his life. We, we we don't force him into doing their sport. Um, they got to find their own way, really, like uh, like yeah. we did. Um, so we, he, he was a good runner. Uh, Eddie was a good runner. He was young youngster, and um, he enjoyed it. But I think since he's got a little bit older. And, Became a bit of a teenager, a bit of a rebel. Rebel. He's kind of decided he didn't want to do sport, but never say never. Um, Ollie, the older one, yeah, he started off as a bit of a runner. Did really well yeah, in Australia. He was fourth in the national championships over over two thousand meters steeplechase um, on the track for his age group from under under sixteens. Um, but Ollie is also a good football player. Um, okay. Uh, he was at the Haven and Waterville Football Academy. Uh, from when we came back from Australia until last year, he's now playing for Fairham Town Football Club, um, first team and reserves. So he's and he's training most days of that, and he's just started an apprenticeship uh, as a plasterer. So he's um, yeah, neither of them run. And but to tell the truth, I'm not too worried about that. They've got to find their own way, find their own sport. They've got to be happy with what they do. They absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they don't necessarily have to be runners because me and Amanda were runners. So yeah, yeah. 
yeah that's 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 all that's really really good advice there but i guess over the years when they were running there must have been some interesting uh, running conversations and when things don't go right and when things do do go really right uh, in the household <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was quite difficult for them because they were quite young lads and kind of sort of like dissociating themselves between mom and mom dad mom and mom coach and kind of yeah but they're a bit confusing sometimes so yeah so um <laughs> yeah absolutely brilliant um steve you, you know, i know you've trained like quite a few athletes here as you mentioned and in australia as well um and i'm sure uh hitting all hitting lots of personal goals and, and doing amazing things and stuff and i know that you coach somebody over here who we've had on the show before jacob o'hara who, who lots of the runners in the area know uh, i know he's running phenomenally well right now um, mm-hmm. But are there any kind of like standout performances for you, standout athletes? Doesn't have to be because they're fast. Um, just anything kind of any athletes that stand out for you that, you that you wanted to mention on here? Um, yeah, I've got um, in Australia. I, I, I had a few good athletes. A guy called Mark Mark C. I think I I wrote it down about about him running the sub four minute mile. Yes, uh, and he was for he was only the second Western Australian to run. Um, sub four minute mile on, on western australian soil and broke the state record which was previously held by herb elliott and it was done in 1958 so it was a great achievement and he came to me in australia and said that's what he wanted to do so we worked for two years solely on just to achieve that goal and wow. uh, he achieved it and bless him mark after that i kind of he kind of lost his mojo a little bit and because he achieved his final goal he's a physio as well so he's working quite hard got a lot of long hours he hasn't really sort of like replicated that and anything else anymore and he just runs for fun now and stuff like that so but he achieved what he wanted to achieve which i was quite glad to be part of to help him do that so that was a big achievement for me um also in australia i had a couple of athletes a guy called matt ramsden who's running on the diamond leagues series now a circuit on track okay. uh, just missed out going to olympics this year uh, but he came when i was with him uh, we were working together in 2016 he reached the final of the 1500 for the world juniors and uh, out sprinted jakob ingebrigtsen in the final oh. Um, that's a claim to fame <laughs> yeah uh, matt was 18 then and uh Jakob, Jakob was only 15 so so you got okay. to it in <laughs> still uh, I, 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 you got to take it <laughs> yeah uh, and then also another guy uh, who went to olympics this year finished fourth in the 800 meter final a guy called peter bowl um he was with me until he went until i left and he went to melbourne matthew went to melbourne as well and um, after i left um so those guys have gone on and done really well which is really good and seeing watching them i've caught out of them a couple of times when they're over here for the european circuit so i've caught them caught up with them in london but um yeah it's just great to see them and uh, keep in touch with them and talk to them so they would have really sort of like quite good ones previous ones in australia i've got a young guy now in australia who's, who's coming up he's 19 now um we're looking at him doing the um, Paralympics. He's um, high, he's a high-functioning autistic bed, 19, but the times he's run are super, super fast. I think he's run about 345 for 1500 and the 148 for 800, which is world record times for his, for his category. So he's kind of sat back and not got involved in um, Paralympics because he wanted to try and make it as an able-bodied athlete. But now, because Paralympics is so big, and it's so recognised, and you get you get the accolades you deserve because you put all yeah. the work and you run the fast times. 
we're looking at him now as a senior once he gets the senior to go into um uh, the um the world of the paralympics so we're looking at doing the next olympics in paris um okay. so he's got a very, very good chance of getting a gold medal there i think uh, his name's luke luke shaw um, brilliant very very and say he's high functioning autistic so he's very driven and very sort of like you can just give him um a session on vdot or talk to him on face facetime and say this is what i want you to do in the session and he'll do it to the decimal point he's that 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 is that sort of like driven in, in his training and so intense in his training which is really good um, uh, as you say in the UK um, obviously you've mentioned Jacob Jacob's doing really well he's yeah. um, he's improving all the time which is really good um, I know he's not as fast as he really wants to be but he's got plenty of time to move on to that he's just got an elite start in uh, the um, great south run which is another thing he's been out trying to get in the last couple of years Fantastic. which is really good yeah so the signs are good jacob is improving nicely steadily he's not doing fantastically fast times but he's doing good times and he's getting faster each year which is the main main priority um in the group i wouldn't really like to say um individual people in the group i don't think it's fair um i think they all are working really hard we've got some new guys in the group we've got one got one young lad who's in, in who's doing the european triathlon championships junior championships in um oh, it's, uh, i think it's valencia spain um, okay. uh, at the end of the month he's just got into running and he's running quite well i've got a young 15 year old lad who now is on sort of like almost sub two minute 800 meters um two minutes flat and he ran a 16 minute five 5k at lakeside during the week so he's improving nicely um and it's and we've got, i've got quite a few other lads uh, sort of like 15 16 17 and girls that are all improving all the time which for me as a coach is what you're after it's what you want Brilliant. um um i've got a few that pick up injuries now and again and but we get there we 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 uh, manage it and we sort of like adapt to it and get them back running um and then finally as i said penny penny force um superb example of someone who's been at the top of the top can't do any better than going to the olympics being national champion and still trying to strive to improve and i think she's world masters champion as well so penny's a great example and okay. 72 yeah i'll get just as much joy out of penny improving and and, tr and doing well as i do with a 15 year old so it's um yeah it's perfect absolutely yeah and i, I you know you said you know just a couple of minutes ago that um you know you it would be great to kind of chat to you about all your athletes because like you said it's not fair to kind of just pick out a few um but just you know for the sake of time it's just great to kind of find out you know just a couple a few few little stories there of um of stand-up performances and mm -hmm. from from your your groups over in australia and the uk so thank thanks so much for that i'm sure you're proud of all your all your runners underneath you <laughs> yeah 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 they're, they're, they're all they all do well and they, yeah it's, it's it's very that's why i do it i think and then doing my own running more satisfaction more proud right out of it i still get nervous when i race i think i get even more I'm nervous. Sure. yeah yeah <laughs> not always on the track but um yep. But, um, yeah it is that's why i do it it's it's yeah a good feeling of helping people and seeing them improve yeah. seeing a smile on their faces really at the end of the day that's what it's all about yeah so steve you mentioned in 2001 you started um your coaching and i was keen to kind of find out um you know the, deci 
the sorry now i'm now i can't talk it's um <laughs> must be uh, must be the must be the data the sunshine's come out or something <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to find out a little bit about the decision behind that process to start coaching um obviously you, you spoke about your injury and perhaps maybe that had something to do with it as well um and also you know the process of becoming a coach uh, like you said you got experience you mentioned earlier at um portsmouth joggers and demi striders while you got into your coaching um, what kind of qualifications did you have to start to do all that kind of stuff so yeah it'd be great to kind of hear how you how you got involved in it for anybody out there who might be thinking of, of doing the same thing yeah there's um, various ways of getting into coaching these days when when i started it there was only sort of like one pathway and that was to become an assistant coach which i did and i only really did it because amanda told me to do it i'll tell the truth okay. fed up with me getting frustrated and not enjoying my sport and because she felt that because I've had the experience and uh, I've got a fair bit of knowledge and I still read up a lot about coaching. She said, well, when you start coaching, when you get involved in coaching and clubs like Demi Striders were asking me to help out as well. So so that's what was got me into coaching, really. It wasn't something that I went into because I was still trying to sort of like be an athlete. Yeah. And I didn't, it was a difficult decision for me to make at the time. Um, not not competing anymore, making that final decision. Because for me as a coach, I don't feel being a, a competitive athlete and a coach at the same time works. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, because I feel that a lot of the stuff you, you're influenced by when you're still competing, you then transfer onto your athletes. For me, ah. coaching is all about individual. Every athlete's different. It's not one size fits all. Yeah. Um, every athlete's different. Every athlete's got weaknesses and strengths, and you got to sort of like train them to those those abilities and those those weak, uh, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, there are certain elements in training which um, which everybody does when you're doing base work um, that, that people can do together and they do the same. But when you come down to some more sort of like specialised work and for certain athletes they do different things that's for me that's why i said um i have about four or five sessions going in one session so i could turn up at a track and there'd be about 20 athletes there and not all of them be doing the same session okay um, but you all come, but you cut you come into the session you know always kind of prepped knowing what each one's kind of going to do and, and yeah, sort of well, on the board. yeah. I, i've worked at, i work out i'm always a season ahead um so I've worked out the complete winter program. I don't do it on. I don't write out on um, on an individual day. I do it in sort of like cycles, and I know what I've got to do within those cycles over a certain period of time. And so sometimes, if they have a lot of races, especially in the winter months, um, that cycle, if it's twelve weeks, sixteen weeks, might go on a little bit longer because I only count the days, that, the weeks they train. I think because mm -hmm. a week of a race, I do a different program. I do a, a race prep program for, for each time they race, so they're not trying to train hard when they've got a race coming up. So I try and yeah. ease them back a little bit. So and then once they've done the race, they go back to the program. So the program can sometimes be a little bit more extended if it's 16 weeks it can go, for, go a little bit longer if you're swimming 20 weeks or 22 weeks because of the racing in between um, and I'm, I'm always to say a, a season ahead so I've already done the winter program I'm now into the pre-competition program for the summer next year I'm writing that out um, at the moment for, okay. for my groups here in the UK and Australia 
they do do basically the same because they're all 8 and 15 or 5,000 meter runners on the track and I've got a few half marathon runners and 10k runners so they all within their event group they all do sort of like similar sort of like processes but obviously difference when it comes down to the um the individual sessions is it's kind of kind of slightly different for each person so I'm always well ahead of myself on sort of like I never sort of like um planning sort of like uh, I've done this week so I think about next week it's already done so it, I've done right up until March next year well I know what I'm, I know what I'm going to be doing for each group until March next year well Steve, Steve what qualifications do you do you, do you hold then as, as a coach now because you must have I guess been through a few a few of them um, to, to um yeah I'm um, I'm, a, I'm a national what they call the under England England Athletics, um, a national event group coach for Steeplechase. Uh, I'm also part of the national program for, uh, not Steeplechase, for endurance. And I'm also the national, on the national program for Steeplechase, sorry. So, yeah, so I'm event group, a national event group for endurance. And uh, I do specialise, help out with Steeplechase um, with athletes throughout the country um, and stuff like that. So that's why I hold at the moment. Okay, brilliant. Um, I was going to ask as well. I, I guess with being a coach, like I'm, I, I, a lot of the discussions um, with your athletes, obviously, going to be very kind of training focused, racing focused, maybe nu- even nutrition. Um, but I guess like being a coach means that that perhaps maybe you've got to be aware of what's going on in athletes' lives as well, and and everyday things that may be affecting their training and racing. Is that very much the case? And you kind of get to know your athletes, kind of I guess a little bit beyond the track as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said earlier on, it's especially for youngsters. Um, they get to crossroads um, um, and about 16 or 17. Um, they'll find alcohol or they find drugs <laughs> yeah. whatever, and stuff like that. Or they're taking, especially in the last years at school, I generally ease back on training on the youngsters in the last okay. year at school. So taking all the exams. So training takes a bit of a backseat and they just, training and don't sort of like really emphasize too much on racing too much okay and they so they can put all their mental sort of like um attention towards their schooling because you only get one chance at your education running you can run for the next 10 years so having the one year ease back to get your education and so you can go on and achieve what you want to do in your personal life is more important than running fast times when you're 16 as far as i'm concerned so so um brilliant sides of things that, that's that's how i feel um yeah um with um senior athletes and stuff like a lot of them got families they yep. all can't not train i don't get frustrated if someone texts me and says i can't come train tonight because i'm working late that's life um that happens um so you've got to get the work-life balance correct um and these people who i'm coaching are amateurs they're not professionals so yeah um i shouldn't be sort of making too many demands on them to okay. come try um because it's yeah that's good sounds very fair sounds like you you treat your athletes fairly steve you don't uh, you don't come down on them like a ton of bricks <laughs> when they miss stuff oh, i'll give them some sticks sometimes but yeah. <laughs> now it's all like it's all in good jest it's all yeah good jest. i guess there's, there's a good humor balance to have there as well oh. and a lot of uh yeah. A lot of banter, I'm sure, goes on. Yeah, I've stick on as well. So, so. I'm sure. If I'm I sure get, they, they, they don't if have to give it wrong, if I get it wrong, I always get loads of stick. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it twenty times. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> do, do you know what, Steve? Um, Steve, I was going to ask you actually because you you mentioned the steeplechase earlier, and that's one event that absolutely fascinates me. Um, it, it yeah. looks bloody hard, and I didn't realize until very recently just how high that uh, that hurdle is and how deep the water goes on the track. Until I was at, I was up Mount Batten Center a couple of weeks ago, and I, I ran past one, and I just kind of I, I looked at it thinking I don't think I'd even make it up on that thing. What what is the steeplechase all about? And it, it just seems a, such a strange event to have on a track. Yes, I think the origins of steeplechase goes back to years ago and when um, the original cross-country races were over fences and um, a bit like the horse steeplechase eventually get cross-country yeah. point and they used to jump fences. Even in the 60s, they were still jumping fences and uh, walls and stuff like that in cross-country in the national championships and stuff like that. So I think it's just come up and someone wanted to make an, uh, I can't remember when it actually happened, I think it was in the 60s, someone wanted to make a track version of it sort of thing. So, and I think they went straight into, because in those days, 100, 100 meter hurdles, 110 meter hurdles, they were jumping 91 centimeter hurdles. So they went straight for that high, that's why they're so high, because um, they went straight for that initially. Okay. So, um, I think it's three foot three, I think 91 centimeters or something like that. And, um, yeah, and that's how it came about. Um, but yeah, it's a tough event, mentally and physically. You've got to be a certain type of athlete. Um, years ago, people used to think about arts oh, as a soft event for people to do who couldn't run fast enough in the flat events. But that's nothing. That's that's not uh, how it is these days. You've got to be like an old friend of mine, Mark Rowlands. Um, he got, got he got um, bronze medal in the Seoul Olympics at Steeplechase in 808 for 3,000 meters. A lot of people can't even run 808 flat 3,000 meters. Wow. Okay. Uh, let alone jumping over 34 hurdles. Um, yeah. And Mark was a 145 800 meter runner and he was a 350 miler. And uh, he went to Steeplechase. And so I used to train with Mark. And I've known Mark since he was about 14 years. And he's gone on to coach. He's now at Oregon University in America coaching. Okay. He, um, yeah, um, he's uh, he's a prime example of how good you got to be. Um, right. He, he would run it easily in, in his heyday. Would run a sub 50 10 miler as well on the road. Okay. Thing, so, so yeah, yeah. It looks like a tough event. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 a speciality now. You're getting people now who are just steeple chasers. They're not they're training for steeple chaser. I know a lot of people don't do any other races except for steeplechase. So mm. um, it's now becoming like a, an individual event, like a 100-meter hurdler or a, a sprinter yeah. wouldn't do 800 meters. So okay. um, you've got to be a special athlete. Um, and that's why I like it so much, because you've got to have the speed of a 1,500-meter runner and you've got to have the endurance of a 5K runner. And you've got to have the mentality of a madman sort of thing to do it sort of thing. So um, it, it's mm. tough. tough it's a tough event tough event yeah i think the only ever performance i know about steeplechase was uh related to a, uh, like a running podcast that i used to listen to called the let's get running podcast and i think one of the presenters on that show holds i think either like a european steeplechase record or maybe a uk steeplechase record his name is jermaine jays i don't know if you don't, don't yeah know. yeah i'm from basingstoke yeah 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 that's right yeah, yeah. they call him the, they call him the world's fastest bus driver in london that's what he does for a living <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's the only kind of like you know steeplechase connection I, I've ever had. But when I ran past it, like I say, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, my goodness, that's. I can see now why the athletes step off off of the top of it because it is so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know a lot of the Kenyans these days hurdle it, but 
I'm not a great lover of that really because I think a lot of them do fall over. Um, but that proves you got to be at it if you're going to clear the water jump. It's sort of like three meters long, and um, the um, the pit itself, three point three meters long. So to clear that, you've got to be moving at some speed before you get to the hurdle. So it shows the sort of tempo they're running in the races, mm. sort of thing to to be able to achieve that. But me, um, yeah, I prefer to coach my athletes to step on it and get a good um, good push. push yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's sure. safer as well. You don't get ankle injuries. And because uh, I've got a couple of steeple chases in my group, um, which hopefully uh, one of them, uh, young Amy, Amy Brooks or Amy Breen, uh, uh, she's um, she'll be back to it next year. She picked up a bit of an ankle injury, not athletic or orientated. She jumped off of a, an inflatable and broke her ankle um, uh, a year ago, so she's getting back into it now. And okay. a couple of my younger lads, I'm trying to um, encourage into steeple chase. Cool. Good, good, good. Do you have by any chance any uh, athletes you coach who are who are getting into the ultra running? Do you, have you ever done any kind of ultra running coaching yourself? Not really. No, no. To tell the truth, I've got a couple of people that I'm helping out who are doing marathons. I've got one athlete who's just made an inquiry from Stumpton Green who wants to get into ultra running. I haven't really met him yet, so I, I'm not really start. I haven't really started working with him yet, so that'd be a new experience, but. It's not something I'm um, okay. that familiar with, but I was just um, curious because obviously the you know the growth of the sport for, all the way from track all the way through to to now the longer distance stuff is uh, so just mm-hmm. bursting at the seams, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a few triathletes in my group. Um, I've got a lad who, who's who's trying to get a pro license for um for half Ironman and Ironman events, so okay, get a bit more endurance sort of thing. But and again, it's sort of like looking at the marathon side of things um one and one so cool cool so steve listen i don't want to take too much more of your time so i know you uh, you're, you're a busy man you want to go enjoy your your day off and get some sunshine mm-hmm. hopefully um but where can people find out more uh, about you kind of online or via social media are you on strava what, what kind of platforms do you use um i don't use a lot really to tell the truth um I say we're on the Facebook page, Facebook group, um, which is the Team Person Running Group, um, which is on Facebook, but it's a closed group and it's only really open to people who are actually within the group. Okay, gotcha. And c- can people request to join that or would they need to go through, contact you first? Uh, yeah, they have to come, come through myself or Amanda happening, but ideally the people in that group are the people who are actually active within the group, if you see what I mean. Um, okay, gotcha. Group. Um, we can be found... Uh, as a group, Team Perso, if anybody wants to come down and check us out or see us or uh, come and have a chat, is down at Mount Batten Centre on a, on a Monday at 6.30. We're always down there on a Monday. Um, Monday evening? Of, yes, Monday evening, 6.30 in the evening. Yeah. Um, the rest of the week, we're usually at different locations. But um, Mondays, we're always down the track. And everybody, whole group, get down there uh, if they can make it. So that's Great. the best time to get hold of us. Um, but I, I don't use Strava or anything like that at all. Um, I'm, I, I'll, um, um, what's the other ones in there? Um, I can't remember what the other ones are now. See, see what I mean? Strava, uh, technical, Strava um, Runkeeper, all the, all the apps. <laughs> yeah, I don't use any of them at all, sort of thing. So, yeah. It's the, it's the, um, it's the oven clock, the kitchen oven clock, Steve. That's, that's, where, that's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have, I'll have to try and i'll have to try and make it down at some point and then and watch watch yeah. you coaching some of your athletes it'll be good to kind of 
maybe one day even bring bring the camera along for one of our episodes or something it would be i think that'd be quite interesting to see great yeah yeah be good yeah awesome yeah so i always finish off these uh, interviews with some recovery run questions just quick fire questions so we'll, we'll get through we'll get through these at speed uh, yeah. this is a sprint <laughs> uh steve first question uh favorite workout routine that you like to do yourself or you like to give your athletes um I, there's a, a session called monofartlek i don't know if you've heard of that no it's an australian it's it's it was designed by uh, steve monaghetti okay one of games marathon runner um uh, Steve used to come down to Buskleton, I suppose you've heard of it in Western Australia, um, yep. to do a running camp, and we went down there. And uh, you can look it up on the on the internet, and there's various versions of it. But the main core mono is spelled uh, M O N A, and then it's Fartlek, Mona Fartlek, so Mona Getty. And um, basically, it's 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 like a good endurance test that I do every, try to do every six weeks with my group, um, and it's. Um, within the group, we do age grading competition as well. So um, people run various distances. It's, uh, it's, the session only lasts for 19 minutes, 45 seconds, but you do uh, two lots of 90 seconds with 90 seconds float. And then you increase your tempo to do four lots of 60, 60 seconds float, increase your tempo again to do four lots of 30 with 30 seconds float. And then you do almost like a sprint of four times 15 seconds seconds float and um, that's the session um, okay. and you, you record your overall distance um, and then uh, you go and do it six weeks later ideally on the same location as you did it previously um, and then see if you've improved at all and it's, it's it's a good good speed it's good endurance type um, gauge throughout the um, winter months brilliant there you go listeners look it up mono mono fartlek brilliant yep. sounds good um, somebody who has influenced your running, either as a coach or, or a runner yourself? Um, I think one of the most important stages of my running career when I was really doing quite well and improved was uh, I, got, um, I, I teamed up with a coach called Alan Force, which is actually Penny's husband. Okay. Um, uh, I started running with Alan when he was, when I was 16, 17, when Penny was training for the Olympics. So I I joined Penny to you know build up towards the Montreal Olympics. Um, so and then I was with Alan until they moved to France, and I think it was 1980. But Alan really brought me on big style and changed me as an athlete to the 800 meters because I was running more 1500s and cross country. And he saw something in me that said you're an 800 meter runner. So I went on, did some, I concentrated on 800 meters and did quite well um, in the end. Um, so Alan was a great influence. I mean, still is really, he's a good friend of mine. He's still involved in athletics. His coaches himself still. And as I say, it's quite ironic because um, he was my coach in the old days and now I'm coaching Penny uh, sort of thing. So it's been a full Amazing. circle. Yeah. Great, great. Can you recommend uh, a good running film or book to the listeners that, you, that you've read or seen? Um, oh, it's a film that me and Amanda watch is really good, um, apart from things like Chariots of Fire, which I think most people would say there's a, a thing called um, uh, Forgiven. Okay. It's about an Italian um, Italian miler who got um, who became a prisoner of war in the Second yes, World War. Yes, that's a good film. Yeah, it's a brilliant film. Yeah. yeah the first one is the best one, I think. The second one's 
I didn't enjoy it so much, but the first one was brilliant. It was a really good film. Yeah, it just goes through his life of how he developed and how basic it was to run a fast four-minute mile, and then, and then his relationship with his captors. And yeah. Because the guy who ran the Olympics, uh, I think it was the Berlin Olympics or something, pre-World pre, pre, uh, Olympics, he ran the 5,000 metres against a Japanese um, competitor, and that Japanese competitor became his captor in the prisoner war. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Great. Good film. Um, Do you have a real kind of best standout moment for you in your own running? One that one that you'll always remember fondly. Um. For me, is lining up in the in the national fifteen hundred meter final, which I think was the um, qualifier. For the Rio Olympics, not Rio Olympics, sorry, Los Angeles Olympics. Okay. In, um, and I had Steve Ovet, Sebastian Coe, and all those guys in the race. Gosh. Just lining up and being in that race with them, I think, for me, was a massive. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, ma- massive feeling. I didn't di- didn't do brilliantly, but I was in I was in the race. I started with them, didn't finish with them, but I started with them, sort mm-hmm. of thing. It was, it was just, a, it was such an occasion to be stand on the start line with those guys. Is that a and race that you can find uh, on YouTube at all? Or no, no, I tried to look for it. Oh, yeah. what a shame! Yeah, it was a, I think it was a three race championships or something years ago. Yeah, amazing. Brilliant. You, you can once post post it, I think after that. Um, but no, um, it was uh, one that was pre pre uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Excellent. Steve, thanks so much. Uh, and finally, um, now is your chance to kind of add anything that you'd like to say about running and the running community, particularly down here in, in the South. Um, so over to you. Yeah, um, I think uh, running in, in the South, Hampshire particularly, is quite healthy. Um, we've got a good, uh, good number of clubs and varied clubs really and within that those clubs there's a lot of sort of like coaches with different ideas different different abilities so the choices for people to sort of like find someone that suits their requirements is there's always there is going to be someone out there for you at different clubs yeah. um if you want to specialize on distance work or as you say ultra stuff or if you want to do track there's always a multiple choice of coaches you can go to um, Portsmouth's got a good setup, good group of coaches. Um, there's um, a good um, system for the youngsters to come through. So, if there's any young people who want to do some running or there's parents out there who want to get the youngsters involved, there's a good system set up in Portsmouth and places like Haven Athletic Club as well. So, there's a lot of variety, a lot of, lot of opportunities, and um, people be, get involved in the local athletic scene, they'll be looked after. Brilliant. Excellent stuff, Steve. Thanks so much. Listen, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I think what, what goes on with all the coaches at the clubs and the work that, that you guys put into helping, you know, others and is just tremendous. And, and what a great thing to spend your time doing as well. Uh, and I'm sure many of the athletes that you're training and, and the other coaches are training will, will continue to use user advice and coaching um, even one day when perhaps maybe they, they coach others as well. So, Steve, I wish you all the best. Thanks so much for your time and uh, all the best. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you on the 19th spot then. Yeah, <laughs> take care. <laughs>